Let's finish it. Yeah, 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 yeah. Ay, coming in, yeah. Flex, I just wanna win. Yeah, L A B B, who we running with? Yeah, two, two, three, three. I'm on ten again. Yeah, state your name. What is up, everybody? Welcome back to another edition of The Closing Pitch. My name is Spiker Helms, and this is a show about people, culture, and how to create a winning lifestyle. Next to me is David Berkby, who is our general manager, salesperson, instructor, pitching instructor. You let kids pitch and gain velocity (laughs) at a very high level. And they throw 90 miles an hour. You guarantee All that. of them. You guarantee- Every single one stamp guaranteed. Every person that has walked into this facility. I've got at least 25 nine-year-olds who throw 85 plus right now. It's pretty crazy. Are we Are we going to take this bandwagon and do like the barnstorming and travel across the south wait it wait a balls for four-year-olds let's go <laughs> so if you're another if you're another nine-year-old out there that throws <laughs> 85 miles an hour and want to be on our scout team tim corbin from vanderbilt is scouting my nine-year-old sessions <laughs> we're actually gonna have some people that are calling oh i got a nine-year-old we want to be on that scout team <laughs> <laughs> and don't, uh, don't take us seriously and folks. we are not going to be playing the best competition we're actually going to be playing um we're gonna be playing up we're gonna be playing 18 you nine-year-olds for 18 you <laughs> oh god i can't take this podcast serious right now <laughs> i want to start off with a story and then i want to get into our topic which should be a segue it won't be one of those spiker segues All right, let's where see the transition i literally talk about one thing and then i say oh yeah and then there's this bus on a mountain that comes out of nowhere and hits you um alongside the i'm interested canyon. <laughs> i'm a, i'm ready all right so it is a fall day you let's just say it's september september 27th and you are battling for a position on the team. You're in college. And there are about 40 guys that are competing and trying to make the roster. And you can only have 20, 24 to 30 people um, going into the spring. And you're on the mound, and you look at the catcher's mitt, and then you start thinking about a lot of things. You start thinking about, man, I'm a long way from home. I'm, I need to make this team. I'm, I'm on scholarship. There's another guy that is not on scholarship that's coming up behind me and he's going to be throwing an inning. I I have to perform. I have to absolutely perform. And you throw that first pitch and it's a ball and you say, okay, I'll come back at him. Another ball. And then another ball. And then finally you get a, give me over strike. And then you then you say, all right, I got to throw another strike. And then the guy hits it for a double in the gap. The outing keeps on progressing on itself. Throughout that whole outing, you end up becoming weaker and weaker and weaker. And you're not really focused in on what's actually happening on the field. And you look to behind you because your coach is calling balls and strikes. You know that he's thinking little of you. And you start freaking out. And this happens over and over again as the as the fall progresses majority of baseball players will go through this at some point in their career whether that is at the youth level at the high school level 
or at the college level. And if you're fortunate enough to play professionally, uh, it will happen to you at that point too because pressure surmounts on you. And I want to talk about this topic of the mental barriers or um, getting over that big hump, which is you. Because I know that there are a lot of players out there that are dealing with this right now. For me, I've dealt with anxiety quite a bit. And um, I, I don't mention this quite often because I mask it. And I don't mask it on purpose. Um, I, it's just who I am. And there's been a lot of moments where there's sleepless nights as a player where I don't know if I'm going to be able to be on this team or I'm not good enough. And this happened when I was in high school. And this happened when I was in junior college. And then when I played at the division one level and at the professional level, and it kept on progressing as I got older and the stress level got even bigger, which means that I was growing as a person. And uh, there's another topic that I want to talk about in an, another episode, but I had a mentor that was able to guide me through those big moments. And when you're, when you're dealing with that, that stress, a lot of people fold and they look for excuses. And I want to, I want to attack this. And I have five different points that are able to, that are going to be able to solve this and be able to ease that anxiety. You're not going to get rid of it. Just tell you right now, this whole thing where we're going to give you some medicine and your anxiety is going to be completely gone. That's false. It doesn't happen. You're going to have anxiety. That that just means that you are in a high pressure situation and you are growing as a person and the risk is high, but the the reward is even higher. So before I go into the solutions, I want to bring Dave in after he's heard that story and kind of give his perspective and then we'll jump into it. Well, buddy, I don't... <clears throat> This is such a common thing that I don't think there's a single person that has not dealt with this. Um, I think everybody does. I mean, I can remember being, well, I, I don't remember this personally, but I remember when I was just starting out playing, my parents told me that I was so scared to go onto a field and be a part of a team and everything else because I was worried about you know, messing up in front of them or whatever, that I just would not even get into the car to go to games. And I think I was like nine. Okay. I don't really remember that, but I mean, I was told I was doing that. I can remember in new sports doing the same thing, being afraid of that or, or building up things in my head. And it's just, you sit there and you, you start thinking about it. You start thinking about it. You start thinking about it. All these outside pressures, all these, you know, realistically, all these things that you build up in your own mind, and, and, and make them bigger than they are and make this big problem out there that really doesn't exist and shouldn't exist because you should be out there to have fun compete. But yeah, everybody's, everybody goes through that. And it's a topic that most people are really afraid to talk about. They're afraid because of vulnerability, I would assume, you know, you don't want to feel like well, also, I think that people don't talk about it because it's starting to head down that medical advice route, and a lot of people don't want to go down that route because of the the medical, like, oh, I have anxiety. Like, it's this big yeah. thing that came out of nowhere that we as the human race have not dealt with anxiety right. before, um, and they lean on it. I don't want to say as an excuse because it's a, it's a real thing. It's real. But real. 
when someone tells me, oh, I have too much anxiety, I can't handle that. That's just basically telling me that you're weak minded and you're not able to get through to the other side. And guys, I have dealt with anxiety. I, you have no idea um, the amount of stress levels of putting myself in pressure situations, having all, having teachers down my throat on, on the econ side because economics at Missouri State was very, very strenuous. And they, they, even though I was an athlete, they didn't care. Yeah. They wanted the best out of me. So I had both ends of the spectrum. I was playing against the best competition in the United States at the collegiate level. And then I was dealing with these economic yeah. teachers well. that really didn't have a concept of athletics until later sure. in my senior year when they started appreciating it. So anxiety is a real thing, but it's how you handle it. And you don't, you don't need this, this thing, this outside thing that's external. It's all internal. Mm -hmm. And if you're able to address the internal elephant in the room, which is in your head, you're going to be able to solve this anxiety problem that you're dealing with on an everyday basis when you hit on that field. Well, and I, I, I'm, in, I'm very encouraged and happy that we're talking about this topic too, because I think for the most part, you know, when we're talking, just let's say baseball as the topic that we're talking about with anxiety, most of the time, we're dealing with this issue in a reactionary type of format to where something happens, a kid is obviously has an anxiety attack or he, he just won't do something or whatever. Now we have to address it. Now we have to talk about it. Whereas we're, we're very welcome to go work on our swing. We're very welcome to go work on throwing motions, how we field, how we play the game, but we don't talk about this. And this comes up, I feel like more so I'm telling you when, when I'm in my lessons or, coaching a team more so nowadays I'm more of a psychiatrist than an actual baseball coach to where I'm trying to dig into their mind to talk to them about this and that and really help them understand why we're out what we're out there doing and why we're doing it and not to let those external pressures just basically freeze them up and stop them so I'm glad we're going to talk about it one of the coaches that I coached with for a year um, I, I was just thinking about him I before I said that. Um, great guy. Uh, very knowledgeable in the baseball world. And he had this thought about anxiety. And he ended up starting a program, which was a really, really good idea. And it was just to bring in awareness to athletes about anxiety and actually bringing it to the forefront. I haven't followed it closely on... Mm -hmm their core values and what they're really trying to promote. But I love the concept of putting it out into the forefront, not making a big deal out of it. That's the big thing. I don't want to make a huge deal out of this to where it ends up becoming this thing where people can put their hat on and say, this isn't this, this is the reason I'm not good enough. I don't want that because you are good enough and that's just a barrier and we have to get around that barrier. It's just like anyone that's dealing with a mechanical flaw in their swing. They their back foot doesn't turn. Well, I'm not going to I'm not going to make an excuse to say that my that I'm not getting the result that I want on the field mm -hmm. because my back foot isn't turning. Mm -hmm. When we talk about anxiety and the solutions for it, understand that everything comes back to self. There's no other external forces um, that are causing it because it's how we perceive things. It's not what happens to us. It's how we perceive the things that are happening to us. 
that's a huge that sentence again if you if you need to repeat press that 30 second rewind or that 15 second rewind and listen to that sentence again because that's super super important if you want to reach a high level no matter if you are in the sports world or you are in a business world setting or even a political world setting no matter you you name it it's not what happens to us it's how we perceive the things that happen to us that will dictate our success. And that's a fundamental thing. So the first solution that I have is that you have to eliminate all excuses and put everything onto yourself. So if you, if here's an example, if you know that this is how you know, if you're telling an excuse, if someone says, Hey, why didn't you do that? And you go, well, I didn't do this because of this, 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 and this, that's an excuse. Another thing is when you arrive late and you come to, everyone has experienced this at some point and say, Hey, why were you late? Well, the reason I was late because, um, this happened, this happened and this happened excuses. Instead of saying, why were you late? I don't know. I was just late. I apologize. Let's move on. Won't happen again. When you eliminate all those excuses and you put everything onto yourself, you're that much closer to knowing how to deal with pressure situations. When you say that phrase, <clears throat> what I kind of think about is is that guy who's in that game scenario, right? Where all those pressure situations are occurring, where there's parents in the stands, where there's an umpire behind there, where there's teammates and everything, and you're only solely focused on you at that moment, right? And if you mess up or you succeed, regardless, that's you. So you take the praise, you take the, the, the failure, right? And that is half the battle in terms of how to deal with anxiety in those pressure situations. If you're only worried about you, then guess what? You're not worried about everything else, which creates anxiety, right? What is the biggest thing that I see with young players that I work with is that they talk about I always ask them. I want to. I want feedback. Hey, how how your weekend go? How'd your terms go? Well, you know, the umpire really he had a terrible zone and he wasn't giving me calls and some. And I always stop him. I'm like, hold on, dude, chill, relax. We're not worried about the umpire. Tell me how your weekend went. Okay, well, yeah, shortstop made three errors and like, hold on, dude, chill, relax. We're not worried about him. I'm worried about you. How'd your weekend go? And then we start to get to it. And then we start to talk about, you know, what it, what it was feeling like, what he was doing, how his results, et cetera. And then we start eliminating all of these external pressures. And when we start doing that, we can actually finally get a reason as to how he did and what did he do. Human nature is just built into us um, back in the caveman days is that we avoid pain and we avoid something that's that's going to hurt us and that's the ego talking and we had that whole conversation um previous episodes about you got to end up killing that ego and it ends up it ends up being a reborn ego and ends up being a little bit stronger you got to have some scars on it mm -hmm. so with failure we don't want to admit to failure because then that shows that he thinks or she thinks he doesn't think i'm that good mm-hmm but it doesn't matter what I think. You shouldn't care about that. Well, we can do a whole nother episode on how to deal with failure. Mm -hmm. But you know what was big for me was 
personally understanding that it's just a part of life. Most anxiety for me on the field or on the court or what, whatever sport I was playing, most anxiety for me was all performance driven. I didn't want to fail. I didn't want to look at a situation and be scared of it because of scared of failing, not worried about possibly succeeding. And so I let that dictate a lot of decisions I made on the field. And I talked about it in another episode about, you know, when I was in high school basketball, I was scared to shoot at times for stupid reasons. And then that built up anxiety. And then you'd get anxious when you got the ball. And then all of a sudden it was just you weren't playing to your best you know level because you were worried about failure. For me personally, when I got to a point where I don't want to say I didn't care about failure, like no one likes losing, no one likes failing, but understanding that it is, it's a part of it. It's a part of the game. It's a part of life and that it's just going to happen. It, it was a game changer for me. I go back to my freshman year of basketball and we, at my high school, that's what, that is the sport basketball is the thing and I was playing as a freshman and I thought I was really really good and I had a coach that was very demanding and focused more on the negative things rather than the positive things he was more negative driven than positive driven he wanted you to do everything right and how he pointed to everything right was to the negative side don't Mm -hmm. do this no any negative word that you could think of he did that Mm mm-hmm don't get me wrong. I like this guy a lot. Mm-hmm. He just has a different perspective on the world mm-hmm. and how he to- and how he coaches. As a teacher, he demanded a lot out of you too. I had him as, as an English teacher. But I was I got to a point where, and I'm so glad I had him as a freshman, it got to a point where every time I touched the floor, I was so afraid of making a mistake, which then caused a lot of anxiety. Mm-hmm. And I didn't know how to handle that. And it ended up breaking me during that season. Mm-hmm. In a lot of cases, when someone gets broken like that, they'll end up blaming the coach or they'll blame program, and it ends up being that they didn't know how to how to handle that. Well, and even sometimes they end up quitting, which is the worst thing. Yes. Anxiety and- has made more people quit something that they could have possibly been really good at and learned a lot from and had great life experiences and anything else. And, and part of that is for the parents too because you are the mentor. You are the person that is going to have – the last word of the game when you head home. This is just the the fact. You are uh, right or wrong. You are given the mentorship mm-hmm. when you are heading home. And luckily, I had a dad who played col- uh, college football and sniffed the pros um, for the St. Louis Cardinals when the when the Arizona Cardinals were in St. Louis. He ended up getting an invite, and he. Br- Every day he would talk to me about this situation and he would talk about how you handle this type of coach. And he never blamed it as being like, this coach sucks. He's horrible. He has no idea what the hell he's talking about. You're right, Spiker. He never said that. He said, all right, you head onto the court, right? You go in there. What are you thinking? Well, I'm thinking, don't mess up. Yep. He goes, well, when you get the ball, what are you thinking? Get, get rid of the ball. I don't want the ball. He's like, that's the issue. You're thinking more about him than you're thinking about what's actually happening on the court. And that's going to be a huge thing when you go into spring and you are trying to compete for a varsity position for baseball. 
because it was just I was I was I outperformed on the baseball field rather than my other mm-hmm. sports. And so he was talking me through this in preparation for my main sport. If I didn't have that mentorship and have that guidance from him, I think anxiety would have took took me in a totally different area and I would have ended up folding when I got to baseball and who knows I could have it could have been a downward spiral and could have been you might have ep- never played college baseball and professional that, baseball and that's what I want to been sh- here and that's what I want to stress uh, for parents that are listening to this and even um, coaches who have a good relationship with their youth players is that right or wrong you're the mentor and if you don't feel like you're a mentor you are at, at some point until you find somebody that can replace you that will be able to give your player guidance but understand that those those kids your kids are going to be looking for answers when they end up reaching failure and that's one thing that I'm I, I don't like in youth sports is that parents will end up giving the player excuses mm-hmm. and that culture has to end it has to because it ends up ruining players' careers, and they end, it ends up ruining them when they end up getting into the real world, because they're they start because my generation, it seems like they talk about this mental thing. Oh, I just can't get over this mental barrier. Like I have a lot of mental problems. Well, on that basis, real quick, parents or coaches, when you when you start making excuses for that child or for that player saying, you know, that it was someone else's fault or that whatever. Mm-hmm. I understand where they're coming from on it. Mm-hmm. They're coming from a, a sense of love and care mm-hmm. because they don't want to see that that child or that young adult in pain or worried, and they want to take that burden off of them immediately. However... Misery loves company. How, however, understand that you're only setting themselves, setting them up for more failure, more pain, more misery because you're not allowing them to grow and learn from that situation. So when that situation presents itself again, if you give them a bunch of excuses or whatever, you think that anxiety isn't just going to creep on back up? Of course it is. Of course it is. And guess what? The deal with anxiety is the first time you get it, you don't. it's like weird, right? You, you don't really understand. Mm-hmm. But then you start to understand what anxiety is, and it's crippling. And the more and more you get it, the worse and worse it gets. And it gets to a situation where it's a breaking point of, I'm just not going to do this thing, whatever it is, that causes me this much anxiety. You see it everywhere. So think about that next time that situation occurs, and I I would sincerely think about treating that situation a little differently mm-hmm. so you can put that stopped anxiety right there. And if you think that you're not up to it to where you're like, you know what? I don't know if I'm going to be able to give my son or daughter the best advice. Get a sports psychologist. Do do something because when they get down later in life, because I see it right now at my age, I'm 31 years old. I have friends. I see my generation on social media and people are trying to find outlets and they don't have outlets and ends up being in a very bad situation because they don't know how to handle things. And fortunate enough, I had parents that they, they played sports. They knew how to handle that stuff and they learned it the hard way. And they had the South side mentality, which in St. Louis, that that was a rough neighborhood during um, the sixties and seventies. And so they, they, 
they gave me that. But a lot of my friends, they struggled with it. And I don't want to see another generation go through that. And if you're wondering when, when does this usually happen? It happens during the middle school and high school ages, and then it goes into college. And then once you're out of college, you're in a good position because, um, just from it, I'm not a scientist or I, and I, and I don't know a lot about the medical field, but men actually start developing their brains at a later age. And it's completely fully it's developed. Like 25. Yeah. I think. 25. Same thing. Same thing with girls. So that's when you're in the clear. You don't see this that often when it's a younger player, seven, you eight, you nine, you 10, you, because they're just trying to have fun. They just, they just love being, they're like experiencing the world. If you ever seen a puppy, Mm-hmm. Uh, walking around, they're always looking around, trying to see, like, oh, what's the next new this thing? This is great. And, yeah, what's the next new thing that I can <laughs> see? That's how that's how the kids are. They want to yep. see everything, and they're so they're so enamored with, like, oh, who's this guy? Your name's Spiker. That's interesting. How's it going? Let, well, I want to hit some baseballs, and then you start hitting some baseballs, and they have a lot of fun, and they and they're not really worried about anything else except just that moment. Mm-hmm. And that leads me into number two. Which is you if you are dealing with this issue, and this is what kids do really, really well, is that they focus on a single object or idea or position, meaning they're just happy to be in that moment. They're just happy to see, oh, your name's Spiker. That's really interesting. I just I want to talk to you. They're in that moment. They want to know more about me. They don't think about. What am I going to have for dinner? What am I going to do on this homework? They don't think any of that. They're just there having fun. And that was a breakthrough for me when I got to division one with Missouri state is that my junior fall, I failed miserably absolute so bad that coach Gutton had a meeting with me and said, we need to switch something up real quick or you're not going to be playing in the spring. Mm -hmm. And for me, that's a scary thought because I had all my school paid for to a certain extent with academic and athletic and now this guy is telling me in middle fall, you better figure it out or you're probably not going to play and you're probably gone from this university. It didn't take me until my, my, my end of my junior spring to figure out all I had to focus in when I was hitting was one position and one position only. And it ended up skyrocketing me. Now for kids, they do that naturally. You start thinking about too much when you start getting into that middle school and high school age simple you want to simplify yes right that's that is a major key to dropping anxiety and just slowing everything down you hear about you hear about that term in in the game of baseball slowing the game down and i always talk to players about that snowball effect and I think I've mentioned it in previous episodes where one mistake or one problem or issue turns into two, turns into four, four turns into eight, 16, whatever. And all of a sudden you wake up and you're on the bench and there's a crooked number on the scoreboard and you don't know how that happened. And that happens because of you overthinking certain situations where simplicity and literally just being able to be in the moment, like you say, or focus on one singular thing or just worry about you and not everything else. That's so important. Like I talk to young guys again, you know, I try to paint a picture for them when we're talking about certain scenarios, like stress, stressful scenarios. And I start talking about 
how you like how you have to rely on your routines, how you have to rely on what you've done and what you're doing and only focus on you because you could be in a situation where it's a three two count, bases loaded, last inning of the game, you're worried about the umpire whose strike zone has been erratic the whole time. The your parents are in the stands and by the way, your aunt and uncle are also there. Um, Joey's mom and dad are over there yelling at Joey. Uh, your your coach is talking to everybody on the field. He's anxious. He's running up and down. All your teammates are talking, etc. And all of a sudden, you've got this huge situation built up in your head, and you're going to let that situation dictate your next performance, your next pitch. Instead of rewind, going all the way back through all that, eliminating all that outside noise that is not going to help you in that situation, literally just kind of having tunnel vision here, where you are only focused on that one pitch, winning that pitch, and that's why I have this phrase all the time when I talk to kids, what's the most important pitch in the game of baseball? And they always say, well, fastball or curveball or this or that. And I go, nope, the next one. That's it. It's the most important pitch. And then after that, guess what? What's the most important pitch? The next one. We have these simplifying techniques so that now they can block all that out and they have routines to block all that out. And guess what? When you just focus there, it's not so scary. It's not so scary. You're not worried about what just happened or what could happen. You're worried about what happened, what's happening now. The top athletes um, that I've studied, one thing that's always been in their routine is some type of breathing technique, mm-hmm. whether you want to call that prayer or you want to call that meditation. Mm-hmm. They have this thing where they do every single day where they end up breathing. And for me, that was yoga. I ended up doing a lot of yoga when I was at the tail end of my career because there was so much pressure that I was building up into my head. Um, and it ended up almost crippling me at times. But yoga really helped me get through that, which leads me to number three is that you have to focus in on your breath. And that doesn't happen during the moment. It does, but it doesn't. That you have to be able to train yourself um, it's like you going to school and training your brain. It's you going into the facility and training your skill sets that you're going to have to start focusing in this third category, which is your breath and being able to be clear of mind. And whether you want to call that prayer, you want to call that meditation, whatever you want to call it, you have to do it because if you don't, you're not going to know how in those those big time situations where it's a seventh inning, you got a guy on second and you need a double play or you're in a bad situation, you, a, that is the prep work that's going to be able to get you over that hump in that tough situation. Here's what I'll call it. It's a calming mechanism. That's what breath is, and it's proven. I mean, you turn on an MLB game tonight if you're listening to this. Turn it on. Watch what that player does in between each at-bat or in each pitch as, during his at-bat, Okay. Mm-hmm. More than likely, he's going to step out of the box. He's going to get a sign from the third base coach. Then he's going to find some focal point on the bat. We teach the star players. He's going to take a deep breath in, deep breath out. That's calming. Now he can focus on exactly what he's looking for in that next pitch. I tell the same thing to my pitchers. I tell the same thing to my fielders. Everybody the same way. In between each pitch, we're going to breathe in, breathe out, refocus, win that next pitch. And it's it's 100% a stress reliever and a calming mechanism in that situation. And no one wants to talk about this because it seems like it's more of a soft, soft skill. It's a soft, it's too soft for you. It's not hard nose. It's not being able it's to not, listen, put your nose to the grindstone. No, it's not sexy to talk about breathing like 
practices in a game. <laughs> it's not like it's not. It doesn't get players all jazzed up and be like, "Hey guys, guess what? We're going to talk about practice today. Breathing. Well, coach, I'm breathing right now. Let's go hit. No, no, no. You don't understand. And it's a game changer. And if you watch, if you watch all this and think about it, if the major league guys are doing it, and normally, again, non-COVID situation, they're in the most stressful times ever. They're on national TV, literally getting that's their whole life. That's their that's their paycheck. Their performance is their paycheck in front of forty thousand people against the best best athletes in the world. So you think if they've adopted that to understand how to deal with those types of pressures, shouldn't we? That'd be my thought. And this is not for everybody. Understand that some people are naturally given where they can they can just literally turn it on and be on the field and they live in the moment every single time. I played with a guy that was literally like that. He was very talented, ambidextrous, to be able to throw on both sides and throw and hit on both sides. And I'm a guy that did it in the game and he wasn't. And I was like so mad at him. I was like, Madrano, how are you able to do this? He's like, I don't know. I just do it. One out of a hundred, maybe. Yes. And he, he was just one of those guys on that team that was able to do that. He just had the natural ability and be able to go into that box and not really care what happened. And if you're not a, if you're a guy that's like that, meditation and breathing might not really work for you. It might be one of those things where it's like, oh, this is kind of weird. I don't mm-hmm. really get it. But if you're a person that thinks a lot and thinks things through, this is something that you need to add into your arsenal. Just one of those additional things that you're going to have to do that he doesn't have to do. And that's just, that is life. But I'll, I'll, I'll tell you this though, is that it will help prepare you mm-hmm. for when you are outside the game. And we talk about this all the time in the podcast. Baseball is a breeding ground for life lessons and um, for success off of the field. It really is. I mean, there's a lot of, a lot of things that I'm using right now inside of my, mm-hmm. inside the business world where it seems stressful. It seems like I have to meet a deadline, but I'm able to get through it because I've done it before mm-hmm. with getting ready for the season, playoff crunch, we're making a run in conference, stressing out because um, it could mean that some one of us might need to go. We end up getting cut. Mm-hmm. Dealt that with dealt with that with that in pro ball. Mm-hmm. Going up to each game, not knowing if I'm going to make it to the next day. Mm-hmm. So be able to take that skill and go into a quiet room and literally sit there and breathe. Sounds messed up. Sounds weird. You're, you're going to be thinking a lot of things, but it'll, but as you start calming down, you start taking those deep breaths, your mind will start settling and then it won't be as weird anymore. It won't be as unnatural. It'd be one of those things where you're like, man, why haven't I done this before? It's a game changer. Number four is clear all judgment, which goes back into that breathing. And I told you that story of my coach um, at my high school. And that situation prepared me for Missouri State because Coach Gutton, even though he was not a guy that went towards the negative, he was a very positive guy. He's, he's pretty intimidating. Mm-hmm. He is very intimidating when he, if he sees something he doesn't like, he will call you out and be very stern and when you see those those little legs coming at you, you're like, oh boy, this is not gonna be this is not gonna be good. I, I almost got to a point where I cared so much about what he thought, but I went back to that time in high school and I said, you know what? It doesn't matter. Whatever happens, happens. 
and whatever judgment that he casts on me, it doesn't, doesn't, doesn't define who I am. And that situation and being able to talk through it in high school prepared me for that moment at Missouri state and me and him butted heads. And now we have a really good relationship. I mean, it got to a point where we were, I was on one side of the table, he was on the other side of the table. And it was one of those things where you left the room and you're like, man, I really don't like that guy. Mm -hmm. And it got to that point. So when you head onto the field, you have to clear those judgments. You, you can't worry about, you know, what Billy says or what Joel says or what Sarah says. Um, you literally are just focused in on what's happening at that specific moment and nothing else matters. You know, the funny thing about judgment is almost everybody, we all assume that other people are judging us negatively on our performance and what's going on. We just assume that. We assume that the minute I walk somebody on the mound that my shortstop is secretly super mad at me and thinks I suck and wants another guy in the game and not me. He doesn't care. He's trying to figure out his own self. He's like, man, that pitcher probably thinks I suck. <laughs> well, dude, like <laughs> everyone, everyone has this anxiety. Everybody Every- does. And then yeah. it, it leads into one to two. And now this whole army of people are out to get you and they're all against you. That's, that's literally the assumption of everyone when it's honest to God, the exact opposite. I haven't met many people, Spiker, that don't wish for other people on the team to have success. I mean, there's always that one guy out there that just wants a spotlight on him at all times and is only worried about himself. But for the most part, everybody on the team wants to see you succeed because guess what? Then the team succeeds and everybody wins. And if we can get onto that point where, okay, I fail and I know that I got, you know, we talk about that 11 versus 1 or 9 versus 1 mentality on the baseball field where it's not just a pitcher versus a batter. It's the pitcher and the catcher is now 2 versus 1. You add in the infielders, it's 6 versus 1. You add in the outfielders, 9 versus 1. I'll take those odds all day long. And that even if I fail, my brothers have my back and the people behind me have my back. And, and now I can go attack the next situation with all of them. If we can get into that mindset, there is no judgment. There's, it's a judgment-free zone out there. Everyone has that's that's the funny part about this whole thing is that you feel like everyone's judging you, but everyone else is feeling like you're judging them. Yep. And it's a huge anxiety pool. Yeah. Oh gosh. <laughs> and once you realize that that everyone has their own insecurities, it makes it life a lot easier. You end up being able to go out there and just be able to shove or hit a home run or play the best of your ability. Mm-hmm. And nothing else matters. And a way to eliminate that too on that judgment is just hustle everything out. If you hustle, tell me one person that actually has gotten mad about someone hustling too much. Mm-hmm. Don't do that hard ninety. They'll 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 kid they'll kid around <laughs> they'll kid around and be like, oh, you're a you're a practice you're a practice warrior or yeah. whatever. But at the same time, like they still respect it. Oh, like yeah. it's 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 just like they're jo- they're joking with you. Yep. Or they're probably saying it because you're making them look bad, which it, ultimately that should be even more right. motivation to keep on doing that. No one gets mad at the hustle person. Nobody. No one. They respect it. 100%. Man. And if you're able to do that, oh my god, that that eliminates a lot of the anxiety it goes, because it goes back to it's simple. You can what can you control? You can control that. Yeah. It's simple simplify god that i mean literally just do that and you've you've gotten to the 90 percent mark yep and the other 10 percent 
focus on these other things that we were talking about and you'll be just fine. The last thing that I want to talk about is focus on the engagement of the action, not the result, which goes back to that hustle mentality. Is that the first four that I just mentioned, if you do number five, you're 90% there. Well, that you, you will eliminate majority of everything that you're worrying about. Well, and that just jumps into what I just said. Control what you can control, and that's all you need to worry about. We all we ha- we have a list here with the Tigers, the controllables, right? Mm-hmm. A lot of our coaches put that out on their dugouts before games, and and we just re re talk about it all the time. And it's something that is a constant in what we're preaching and talking about as coaches with the Tigers. And you're talking about the action, not the result. Well, I can't control the result. I, I tell this to pitchers all the time. I can throw my absolute best pitch. I am not guaranteed that that umpire is going to agree with me. I am not guaranteed that, that that batter gets totally fooled, sticks his bat out, and gets a single. Didn't matter. I threw the exact pitch I wanted. Best pitch I could possibly do. I controlled my action. I can't control my result. So don't worry about it. You can't worry about it. And, and that's where the result is where anxiety lives. Like I've had guys who are hitting 270 for me, but just killing every baseball. And they might think that they're the worst player in the world and that everybody thinks they suck and hates the game because, well, what does the batting ever say? 270. Well, I'm like, well, John, do, do you not account for the last out of your 10 at bats? You've hit in eight line drive outs. You're killing the ball, dude. Keep worrying about that process and what you're doing, your action. And I guarantee you the law of averages is going to apply at some point. And all of a sudden, that average is going to be taken care of. Don't worry about the results there because you're going to just dig yourself a big hole that honestly sometimes some people don't get out of. If you're a player, don't look for external things to ease that anxiety. It's everything that's it's it's in you. You gotta you gotta correct what's going on in your head first. Don't look for the external. If you're a parent or a coach, take ownership of that mentorship. If you feel like, hey, I don't know if I have the best advice. I don't know if I, I don't have the I don't have the experience to be able to give them that advice. Seek out someone that's going to help that player whether that's a sports psychologist, whether that's a hitting instructor, whether that's a pitching instructor, um, if you're in music, um, whether that is a director um, of the band, whatever. I don't, mm-hmm. I'm not in the music world. Just find somebody that you feel like, hey, these, this person has a lot of experience and, have, and was at the highest level, and they know how to deal with this stuff. Mm-hmm. I would search for that. But again, players, don't look for external things to help you. It is the wrong path. You got to correct it through yourself. And I've given you five different things here that are able, that are going to able to help you deal with that anxiety. Last point I want to make, and this is my closing pitch, by the way, Dave, that where people go wrong is they cast blame. They're worried about judgment of others. They're totally invested in their future self. They think about future and past, but more importantly, future. And they think way too much of the result that's going to be out onto the field instead of just living in the moment. If you're able to eliminate all those things and be able to follow the five things that we just suggested here today, you'll be a lot better. You'll be able to handle anything that is thrown your way on a pressure 
or stress level situation? My closing pitch would be that anxiety is a real thing. And in the 10 years, 10 plus years that I've been in this business, you know, being a coach, being around young athletes, I unfortunately have seen anxiety stop people's careers. I've seen it go even further. Um, it can obviously cause loss of life. Um, I've just seen it, 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 it's been, it can really be crippling to somebody. Uh, I've seen it, I've seen people lose jobs. I've seen people, just a lot of bad things. And I think that these topics that we talked about today and that, that Spiker wrote down and that we kind of went off on are very important and can be applied on a daily basis to stop anxiety in its tracks. And ultimately it's going to, it's going to open up so many new avenues that you didn't think you could accomplish, whether that's on the field, off the field. And it's an incredibly important topic that we don't talk about enough and we need to talk more about it. It needs to be one of those conversations that happens regularly, uh, whether it's a player to a player, whether it's a coach to a player, whether it's a parent to a player or just person to person, it needs to be talked about. And it's, uh, I'm glad we did, man. It was a cool episode. Last point I want to make is that you are stronger beyond belief. If you don't think that you're able to handle something, you will have guidance if you just keep plugging away and clearing your mind and being able to, to focus in on that breath, focus in on that one single moment because you are strong than what you think you are. That's my last closing pitch. You, you snuck in two on me today. If you are a repeat listener, um, please uh, share this with somebody that helps us out and helps grow the show. If you haven't given a review, please give us a review, five stars preferably. If you're a new listener, this is a show about people, culture, and how to create a winning lifestyle. Hit that subscribe button. Do us a solid. Um, if you're on Spotify, hit the follow. And I, I don't do the other Overcast or whatever the podcast platforms are, but um, if you're on Apple or Spotify, um, hit that follow and hit that subscribe. Appreciate it, guys. Thanks, guys. See ya. Thank you for watching or listening or both to The Closing Pitch. If you'd like to get your closing pitch featured on the show, we use a podcasting app called Anchor where you can submit your statement or question via audio. Or what you can do is comment in the comment section of this post. We also accept direct messages. Please give us the A-OK if you do send us a DM to use your statement or question on the show. Last thing, please give us a review on your platform of choice five star preferably and we value your opinion and this allows us to reach more people thank you for listening and we will catch you in the next episode